a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24 7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, Here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Saturday. We're doing a podcast on a Saturday, kind of like a car cast, although neither of us are in a car. Yeah, we got to talk about the USC spring game that happened uh, today is April 23rd. The conclusion of USC spring football practice, the Lincoln Riley era has begun. Got to watch it live on ESPN. A lot of you, uh, 33,000 of you are out there in the Coliseum checking it out. I was not, and either is my partner, Shotgun Spratling, who's on the line with us. Shotgun, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I tried to get out there. I kept checking flight prices throughout the week, looking to see if I could get one of those last-minute deals to get back out there, but but couldn't make it happen. So decided to watch on ESPN. It was great that it was on ESPN. National coverage, the only live spring game that they were going to host on ESPN. So USC got a, a full bevy of ESPN reporters out there to talk about the Trojans as well. So you know, definitely on on showcase today. It was on Showcase, and I didn't have to fly anywhere to go to the Coliseum. I could drove just like I normally do, <laughs> but I got the Rona this week or last week, the weekend or something. So I'm in quarantine, uh, so I could not go to the spring game. So I got to miss the last week of spring pro- football practice, which which kind of sucked because I'm really excited about seeing it. But it was a great place to watch. I mean, it was great to watch it on TV, following along with our reporters. We had like five people there still covering the game, but uh, I wasn't one of them. Shotgun was one of them, but we're going to talk about it. You know, our, our friends over at the uh, rain of Troy, I don't know, they stopped doing podcasts or something. So we're going to infringe on their car cast. That's not in a car. <laughs> hopefully they're not too mad at us. Keely, Keely, apologies to Keely, but hopefully uh, the, the rain of Troy people aren't going to be mad. We'll see. We'll see what they, what yeah. they say. They might do one. They've been talking about doing a show, I think, but I don't know what they're getting married. They've got a lot of stuff going on. They got real jobs. Uh, so there's a lot going on there. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for the show, we'll have a regular scheduled show this week. I didn't get to do a show with Chris this week, mostly cause I was, uh, you know, had the coronavirus thingy. I'm fine by the way. Just no, no big deal. Like, uh, just like a little bit of a cold, but I tested positive. So I just wanted to quarantine for everybody, but you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. If you have the Apple podcasting app, please follow us and leave us a five-star rating or review. It does help to grow the show. And I want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. They've been great to us over the years. If you went over to the Coliseum today, a little pregame festivities, maybe you can stop by Trader Joe's. They got that great location over there at the University Village. Check it out. I always, before I go, I love to go over to TraderJoe's.com and kind of just click around and see what, you know, what I like, what I want to get. Because usually, usually I buy more than what I've intended to do, but then I want to pick a few things. <laughs> uh, from their list. There's usually some great 
uh, wines uh, that you can look on there. Like there's a uh, Maison Boule, uh Cabernet Syrah that I wanted to check out. It's, it's $5.49 a bottle. I'm like, how can you go wrong? Um, I do like the the hazy IPA from Boatswain. I like that. Uh, but they have a Kentucky bourbon there, uh, Shoddy. I don't know if you would want to try that. There's a Kentucky best straight bourbon and a, and a Kentucky bourbon. They're like 14, 13, 14 bucks. So not too bad. That's much more up my alley than, than the beer or wine. I don't drink either of those. Uh, those my favorite thing at, at Trader Joe's, as I've said multiple times on the podcast, is the the maple cookies. But I've given up desserts this year, so that means all cookies as well. So oh. uh, no maple cookies for me this year. So if someone wants to send those for a Christmas present so they can have them at the beginning of next year, that would be great. Nice. Uh, man, dessert for a year. I don't think I could do that. That would be <laughs> – got to challenge yourself, fun. Ryan. That's a, that's a challenge. Yeah, that's a huge challenge for me. Like that's yeah, that's almost like giving up oxygen or something. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So so what? It was a pretty big production today. So USC had their pregame show. Uh, our our own Keeley, or or formerly Keeley, uh, was on it at the end. Got to do a quick interview with Lincoln Riley's coming out of the tunnel. Um, they had you know Jordan Moore. They had Sean Cody. They had Sua Cravens. Mostly, it was like kind of canned interviews from the week of uh, practice leading up to it. But it was, you know, an actual pregame show for the spring game. Uh, we found out it was with thirty-three thousand uh, something uh, in attendance for the spring game. It looked pretty good. That they started keeping records in the late nineties. Um, you know, even the 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 Matt Leinart days, they're just you know you'd get like fifteen thousand for a spring game. It just the, people wouldn't come out for that. But there was a lot of people out there. I know you can't compare it to what Oklahoma did or Oregon had a full Autzen Stadium today for their spring game because there was like six Pac-12 spring games today. But for USC, that was a that, I felt like that was a big deal, Shotgun, having that many people out there. I'll repeat what I tweeted out, and uh, you can bleep it out if you need to. But here's what I'll say it. about the USC spring game attendance compared to Oklahoma, compared to Oregon, compared to anyone else. No one gives a fuck. If you're comparing, complaining, or arguing about it, you need something more in your life. What does it matter? It's an exhibition. You might as well compare it to the Harlem Globetrotters attendance. What does <laughs> it matter? It doesn't. Now, if you want to compare USC's attendance versus their attendance in the past, I think that kind of just gives you a lens to see the excitement level of this. And I thought it was really interesting because you know I was not around during the liner, you know Reggie Bush era. Uh, to see the numbers, and you talk about it, it was probably 15,000, 20,000 there, that this was the most that they've had since the late 90s when they started keeping this number. So I think that really tells you, one, I think it tells you the excitement level of the fans right now, but I think it tells you how down the fans were before, and they, they just been waiting for something to be excited about, and this was their first opportunity to really rally around Lincoln Riley and the things that are going on in the program now, and they wanted that first opportunity to see what it looked like, see what Caleb Williams looked like throwing to Mario Williams, see what Brendan Rice looked like out there, see what Romello Height and Shane Lee, what they've added to the defense. You wanted to see those type of things, and I think that was the excitement level, and give credit to USC and their administration for the things that they did with the food trucks, with the surplus sale, and looking at some of the prices that surplus plus sale a little disappointed i couldn't get out there to see if they had any good hats out there but uh you know they had some shoe they had surplus shoes uh nikes for 20 bucks i mean how you can go wrong with that uh but you know just a lot of things that were going on around the event that they made it you know a special event and obviously there was all there was parking woes so that tells you that it was a big event for usc yeah and i I, same thing i think oklahoma had like seventy five thousand, which was more like i read some of the oklahoma reporters that i like and uh, it seemed like People were excited. Like they were, 
you know, there's a lot of disdain for Lincoln Riley, but they they were excited for the new era of, of Oklahoma football. So more people came to their spring game than normal. That's great. And the same yeah. thing happened at USC. More people came. And I think the important aspect is if, if, if you watch one of the five or six interviews that Caleb Williams did during the ESPN <laughs> broadcast, I mean, literally they interviewed him like every break he was getting interviewed, but <laughs> at halftime, uh, our friend Pete Thamel got an interview with Lincoln Riley and, uh, Caleb Williams. And one of the more interesting things was when he talked about just not being bothered, like no one comes up to him and takes pictures. He's a celebrity in Norman. He's a nobody, literally a nobody in Los Angeles. He said he went to I not quite rest- a nobody, but well, he's, he's not to, that a, he's not that top tier a list. Right. Like if you're in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're you're trying to find someone that you would like an autograph from like a year ago, it'd be Lincoln Riley one probably and Caleb Williams two, right? Like that's those probably the two most important people you'd want to see, like in the whole city. Um, and that's obviously not the case here in Los Angeles. Uh, but he was like, yeah, well, I go to dinner and Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson are like at the next table. Like if there's going to be paparazzi there, it's for some celebrity or some socialite. It's not for the USC quarterback, even though he was on, um, you know, good morning America and things like that. And I, I feel like that's one of those things where if you're out here and you run into a celebrity, you don't see people just gushing all over them. They kind of leave, you know, that'll happen sometimes. But you, for the most part, people leave other people alone. You understand but if Kim Kardashian was walking down, you know, Norman, Oklahoma, she'd probably be swamped, right? So um, it's just a little different. The mentality is a little bit different here in Los Angeles. And I think because people care about other things besides USC football, that's why you're not going to see 75,000 people at a screen game. But the fact that you saw 33,427 33, people at a spring game, way more than what we even saw during Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush era, I think that's, that's what was important to me. I, yeah, I think the comparison of you know years past is what's important. It just shows the excitement level of the group, you know, of the group of USC fans. Doesn't really matter how they showed out compared to other schools. Oregon, they didn't sell out. They had a nice attendance as well. But again, new coach, you want to be excited about your new where the program is kind of heading, and you know that's great to see for those programs. And it should be that way. You want all these programs to have a ton of attendance. What was UCLA's attendance, Ryan? You watched the, their their spring showcase or whatever it was that they had on their practice field. They have a in you know a coach that's been. You, there was a lot of conversation about whether he would return or not. What was that spring game attendance like? Yeah, no, nowhere near that. I mean, there was it was like their track field or whatever. It wasn't even. Yeah, it, it was yeah. just a practice. Like they and, didn't. Exactly. Yeah. That's what's going to happen when, you know, the difference between new head coach, people wanting to be excited about the new, the newness and where the program could be heading versus a coach that's been in a little bit embattled and, uh, you know, is trying to make his way through. And especially when you only have a, you know, you have a, a practice, you don't have an actual game or anything. And I thought that was really great for USC. You know, it's two halves of, is basically two quarters of action. It wasn't a ton. They had a number of guys out. I mean, you, you had Garrett Bryant. You had a number of stars out, too, guys that you expected could be playmakers for you. Garrett Bryant Jr., Josh Fallow, um, Haskins on the offensive line, Damani Jackson, Makai Blackman at, uh, at cornerback, C.J. Williams at wide receiver, the freshman, Xavion Alford at safety, you know, Lake McCree at tight end. There was a number of guys that were out, so – you know, they were kind of thin on the numbers. They're obviously still thin because of the transfers out and the number of guys they're trying to turn over on this roster. So they're trying to figure out how, 
you know, just to make it work. And I thought it was great that they found a way, you know, with the two teams, offense versus defense. And, you know, they couldn't go a full two two deep on both sides. So, you know, mixing and matching, but finding a way to make an actual competition rather than it just being a practice. Because that's one of the things, obviously, USC fans have, have been lamenting for the last few years that, you know, the spring, there's no excitement because there's no actual game. You don't get to see that true competition. It's just another practice. And, hey, sure, fans want to see some practices, but they really want to see that competition period and see Mario Williams going up against one of the cornerbacks and seeing what those new guys, those new faces are able to do. And I think that's what you saw today. Yeah. Um, well, let's look at uh, some of the numbers real quick. Uh, they put out some official USC spring game statistics. Uh so for rushing, uh, Travis Dye led the way. He had uh, seven carries, 27 yards. Um, uh, Austin Jones had six carries for 14 yards and a touchdown. And uh, Barlow had five for uh, 23. So those guys, I, I thought they all looked uh, pretty good. Um, Caleb Williams completed his first nine passes, finished, I think, 10. I thought it was 10 of 13, but they put 10 of 12 on this one. Uh, 98 yards, couple touchdowns. Moss had a touchdown. He was 15 of 20 for 169 yards. And uh, no one really stood out as far as receiving-wise outside of Mario Williams. He had four catches, 32 yards, but two of those touchdowns. And Kyle Ford had a really nice 48-yarder from – that was his only catch. He's done that a couple of times, right? His only catch was a touchdown. Uh, well, he, he did it a couple of times last year where his only play, basically, uh, of the game where he was running a route <laughs> he scored against Washington State. And it made you wonder, why is he not getting more opportunities, not, not more opportunities? Uh, talking about the wide receivers, obviously Mario Williams with the two touchdowns in the red zone, making some plays there. The Caleb Williams to Mario Williams connection was there. One of them over their their former Oklahoma teammate as well, Latrell McCutcheon, for the second one. But I thought Kyron Ware Hudson, he was a guy that stood out to me, you know, making some plays, had the big catch down the sideline yeah. on just a kind of a jump ball for Miller Moss. And, you know, that connection, you know, a little bit of a modern day connection where Miller Moss went there and they're pretty good friends. And, you know, he found him a couple of times out there. So I thought he showed, showed some stuff for a guy that was a little bit further down the list of, you know, I want to see this guy. I want to see what he can do. But he's a guy that didn't really get to do too much last year. So getting an opportunity. And, and you know, we've heard that he's been making some plays this this uh, spring as well yeah um I, yeah he looked really good out there he was make, just make that one catch he had uh like, like the defender was draped all over him you mentioned um uh mccutcheon and uh Latrell mccutcheon so he's the transfer from oklahoma gets a great um i don't think it was a pass breakup but it was a great stick uh on a pass on a on a route and lowers his shoulder into the defender and the pack 12 refs call him for targeting and throw him out of the spring game. No, he didn't get thrown out of the spring game. He was back like soon after. I don't know how many plays he was out for. I don't know if they just reviewed it and like, oh yeah, but that that would have been a stop. Uh, they had a weird kind of scoring system where it was the defense starts with 21 points and uh, if they score a touchdown, they would get points. If they get a stop, they would get points and the offense just got points. The offense ended up winning, um, what was it like? I forgot, it was 31, 24 or something like that. But that, that would have been a stop. And then end up, they, I think uh, the offense ended up getting a field goal out of that one, but they, they called it. It was a terrible, uh, you know, targeting call and they, they throw him out of the game. And it was like, but he came back. So it was, that was a, that was definitely a Pac-12 ref moment. Mid-season form. Hey, we're, we're ready to go. And I think I, I mentioned this uh, in a tweet that it, it's, I think it's actually a positive for USC for all those transfers that are coming in to realize, okay, this is what you're going to have to deal with. 
Um, and, you know, just like you expect a call out there one way or the other, and it might be completely different. So you got to make the, you know, the perfect play at times. And Latrell McCutcheon comes up in a big hit right shoulder to the midsection. Great hit, breaks up the pass, and they throw a flag and say it's, uh, say it's targeting and say he's ejected from the spring game. And everybody's like, what did I just hear? And everybody, everybody that, that covers USC just goes, hashtag Pac-12 refs. Yeah. Completely hashtag uh, Pac-12 ref. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, I think Shane Lee was out there. You got to see him kind of run around. McCutcheon made a bunch of plays. Um, you know, I thought they were active. The The defense probably won the first half, and then they did a real, a, a much better job, especially when Caleb Williams had the ball in the second half. But it was great to see Solomon Tulealapupu out there. I, they didn't credit him with the uh, tackle for loss in the stat sheet, but I think he got one. And then Tuli Tuli Pelotu, uh, definitely, um, he had some, you know, I think he only had one tackle in the game, but he was, it seemed like he was a very active player as well. They interviewed him, which was a little adventurous because if you've ever talked to him, you know, he doesn't say a whole lot, but uh, they did put him on ESPN, uh, which was kind of funny. Yeah, he, he's quick with his answers. You know, you got to have a, you got to have several questions prepped for him because he, he gets directly to the point answering your question. He doesn't, you know, going along, uh, a long story or anything around it. Um, but yeah, he, he was good. He had multiple tackles for loss. Uh, I think the, the defensive stats are a little bit off, you know, the yeah. uh, SID, obviously they're, they're going through a turnover too, you know, with, with uh, Tim Tesselon not there. So I don't know if he was in, in the press box helping out there, but um, you know, it's a little bit different format and you know, what you're looking at there, but McCutcheon ended up with four tackles as far as the official tackles we got, that was tied for the most, um, you know, I, I thought the, the best thing I saw all day was seeing Solomon Tuli-Alapupu go out there and make a tackle for loss. And just knowing all the stuff he's gone through to try to get back and try to be able to play, all the injuries he sustained, and just seeing him last year and seeing the disappointment when he got a couple of snaps or one snap, I believe it was, on special teams in a game. And then a couple of days later, he just basically couldn't do anything at practice. So seeing him out there go through the entire spring, and as far as we know, there was no setbacks, and he practiced the entire time and out there to make some plays. That was the best thing I saw all day. Yeah, there were great. There were some great things and some things you look at and say, oh, this could be exciting for USC during the season. That was the very best thing I saw all day, seeing him out there making a play and making a, a, a tackle for loss with everything he's gone through. And in similar vein, it was good to see Brandon Peely back out there. He had a tackle at the line of scrimmage, tackle for loss maybe. Um, also, um, uh, the cornerback, uh, I'm blanking on the name right now, Adonis Ote, him being out there, just some guys that have been out and you know missed a, a complete year. For them to be back out there, it's always good to see you know the, the hard work that they put in. Same thing with Max Williams, seeing him out there, knowing he's gone through that ACL injury for the second time. To get back out there and for them to try to make some plays was really good to see. Yeah. Uh, go back to the quarterbacks a little bit. I mean, I, I kind of joked about the number of interviews that Caleb Williams did, but he did a lot. Uh, they, I, the, I think, Meg, like, uh, was it Molly McGrath interviewed him on the sideline? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, RG3 inter- interviewed him. Pete Thamel interviewed him. They interviewed him at the end of the game. There was at least four or five times he was interviewed during that game or just soon after that game. Uh, but you could see his leadership, the way he came out and threw the ball, uh, nine for nine, two nice strikes to his former uh, teammate at Oklahoma, Mario Williams, uh, for the two touchdowns just move the ball really efficiently. And he was, uh, they, you know, they, they called a couple sacks later on, on him, but I mean, he was very elusive in the pocket, just 
he took off and ran a couple of times uh, when he had to. And, you know, there were, I, I don't think there was times where like he took off and ran and he wouldn't have been sacked. It just, he got away from the rush, but there was other times where he kind of stayed in the pocket was still around the rush, avoided the two hand touch kind of thing. Cause you can't hit the quarterbacks and still be able to deliver the ball downfield. Like we remember if, when you, you remember Sam Darnold doing stuff like that. He just seemed, I said he had like spidey sense in the pocket. He just seemed to be able to move around. Um, and I, I was really impressed with what he was able to do, not just on the field, but how he carried himself, all those interviews, the leadership was pretty apparent from Caleb Williams. Yeah. And I tweeted this yesterday when we saw that him, you know, give out beats to the the rest of the team. And then today even seeing, you know, like that he, it wasn't just his teammates. It wasn't just the scholarship guys. It was all the walk-ons. It was also like the athletic trainers and stuff that he hooked up everyone around the program that he could. Um, and he, he talked about this on a podcast, the Momentum Podcast, uh, or, uh, that I think was posted earlier this week um, about you know having something in the plans and trying to do something for everyone and not just you know a certain amount of guys. He's trying to get it for everybody. And so he gives out beats and the the earbuds as well to to everyone. A T-shirt that's you know has the fight on, basically the fight on symbol, the V for Victory symbol in you know it's kind of personalized with Caleb Williams touch of you know of the fingernails being painted and stuff on there so I thought that was really cool um, but it shows his you know when a leader is caring for everyone under them when your superstars are caring for everyone under them then that's when a, a team the team chemistry and camaraderie can really take off um, and I think that's sh- he's shown that with what he's done so far you saw that on that that touchdown pass that Miller Moss had to to Kyle Ford down the sideline the guy that was happiest on the sideline was Miller Moss I mean was uh, excuse me was Caleb Williams was jumping up and down on the sideline and this that's the type of leadership that you really look for a guy that everyone gravitates towards because He's excited for everyone else to succeed just as much as he's excited for himself to succeed. And when he can go out there and give a gift to his teammates, whether that's a gift of a touchdown pass or a gift of, you know, some beats, he's excited to do that. And I think you saw that from him. You know, we definitely you saw the pocket awareness, the mobility, and not just, hey, he's fast and he can run with the with the football in his hands, but he can maneuver around the pocket to give the offensive lineman, to make the offensive line seem a little bit um, stronger than it even is is those quarterbacks that can move around just enough the Tom Brady style where you just move away from where the rush is coming from and you you know you help your offensive line out and they're going to want to play for you even more after that and then you saw him take off on a couple of runs so showed the actual athletic ability there too and he made some throws down the field he, you know he, a lot of quick passes early on in the game they tried to attack a little bit down the field and they couldn't get that connected too much but you saw the positive signs of what Caleb Williams can do for USC and you saw the connection with Mario Williams. He talked a little about with, a little bit about that with Molly McGrath and said he can use Caleb. He can use Mario Williams as an example and say, "Hey, Mario, go do this," and use him to help explain the offense. And that's why you know you're going to see that offense come along a lot quicker than it would otherwise with those extra pieces that are used to the Lincoln Riley system. Uh, let's take a quick break because we're going to try to keep this one short. Shotgun's got family and everything, and we're just going to do our little car cast thing here. Back in a minute, and we'll finish up our uh, post-USC spring game podcast.
Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Uh, Shotgun, one last thing on the quarterbacks. Miller Moss, uh, I guess, you know, when we kind of talk to these players after practices and sometimes they'll take a, like, a subtle shot at the way things used to be. And he said something about the leadership group. He said Miller Moss said USC didn't lack the players or personnel who could be leaders last year, but that there was no forum to do so. And then Caleb Williams mentioned a leadership group that meets several times a week. And said that elite teams are led by the player. So it sort of was like Miller's like, hey, man, we had players that wanted to lead, but they didn't really put us in a position to do so. If the, That was my interpretation. I don't know what you thought about that. Yeah, I thought it was a very interesting comment. And I would like to kind of get a little bit more information on that before, you know, really diving in and having an opinion on it. Um, because, you know, I think it's just they didn't have great leadership from above. And when your head coach gets fired two games in. That makes it that much more difficult. Now it's like, well, okay, well, who's the guy that you look to? Who's the the person that makes the final decision on things? All those type things, and then you you know you don't have that that true leadership class that it felt like is what he was trying to say there um, of you know a specific group that would that everyone could turn to. And because I think part of that was there was those factions that were in the locker room where there wasn't you know okay, well everyone looks to these five. Uh, captains or this 10 member leadership group and they'll give guide us towards what which way we're going to go and how we're going to act and things like that i don't feel like they had that um you know so that was a very interesting comment i will say i thought miller moss had a really good day you know he threw for you know what 160 something yards or something like that 15 or 20 he was solid had the deep ball to, to kyle ford he moved pretty well in the pocket. He went through his progressions, I thought. He checked the ball down the running backs at times. So I thought he had a really nice day and showed what he could do there. So, you know, I, I think that gives you a little bit of confidence if you're a USC fan. If, hey, something does happen to Caleb Williams, you know, we're not in dire straits as long as Miller Moss is there, even though there's only two quarterbacks. And, hey, they would definitely love to add some more to that. And that was brought up again this week during the practices. It was brought up again by Lincoln Riley today that they want to add more bodies in the next couple of months over through the transfer portal. And quarterback is one of those positions where they'll definitely want to add somebody. It's funny. Miller Moss was getting after that touchdown pass to uh, Kyle Ford. Uh, Molly McGrath was interviewing him and he said, Kyle Ford made a hell of a play. And then, and Molly McGrath like repeated it. Like that was a heck of a play. And then, then he felt embarrassed because she wasn't, because <laughs> he felt like he didn't say, Oh, like, am I allowed to say that? And like, you can say that on TV. That's okay. <laughs> um, but I thought that was pretty funny, but just to, you know, for a kid like that, who people were like, Oh, he's probably going to transfer out of the program. He could be the backup in this, on this team and do well and have a whole lot of fun. And you saw that like that 
that doesn't look like a player that's want to transfer. Like if this is what's going to be, you score a bunch of points, the backup quarterback can come in and, and make some plays. Um, I, I feel like that's what you want. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to become a better quarterback. He looked really good out there when he was out there. There wouldn't be any kind of reason. I mean, I, to me, it just makes a lot of sense. He seemed like he was really enjoying himself. Yeah, it, it's enjoying himself. But Miller is a very cerebral player, and he really wants to learn under Lincoln Riley. I think that's one of the big attractors, even though Caleb Williams ended up coming with Lincoln Riley. Part of the reasons why he wanted to stay, and you look at it, you know, when Caleb Williams comes in, you know he's going to be the starter. I don't know why anyone's trying to make it a quarterback controversy or a quarterback competition. No one thought it was actually going to be a quarterback competition. Miller didn't think it was going to be a quarterback competition, but he wanted to learn under Lincoln Riley. And even if he has to sit out this year, if he learns that, you know, or sit behind Caleb Williams this year and play some in blowouts or, and if, Hey, he needs to go in, he can go in. But then if he does end up becoming a grad transfer when he finishes up his school in a year, then he takes with him everything he's learned from Lincoln Riley, and he was really excited about that potential. And I think you're seeing that he's having a ton of fun right now. And you you can see that from his interviews that he's had this this, uh, spring, but you can see it out there on the field as well, uh, connecting with Kyle Ford on that one. Kyle Ford's a guy that he's – you know, that, that Miller's been a big fan of, you know, Kyle Ford was a couple grades ahead of him. He's been a big fan of, of Kyle Ford for a long time and, you know, expected him to to have a big season last year. And unfortunately it didn't happen for Kyle Ford. So to connect with him, he, I'm sure he was really excited to, to be able to make that connection. A couple more topics. We'll let you go shotgun. Um, I really liked, and I w- I'd love to watch a little more detail, uh, but we, we've heard about this as far as like the run game goes to me. Um, I thought I saw wide receivers, doing their best to block downfield and seeing, you know, the guard and the tackle maybe at the same time pulling. Uh, there was a, I think you retweeted someone that uh, Gino Quinones tweeted from his guard spot and just absolutely lit up a guy. Uh, these guys are running downfield. All the running backs, I thought, did a really good job. The screen passes uh, were good. There was one, I think, uh, Miller Moss overthrew, but the other ones were, they just seemed like they were well-designed instead of like a flipping a coin, hoping it works, you know, sort of thing. Um, it looked like a, a more comprehensive <laughs> approach to this is how we're going to set up the run game. And then once we get this running back to the second level, we also have guys blocking down there. Uh, I, I don't know. What, you probably have to look at the tape, too. But what did you see from USC's run game? Yeah, I mean, that's something I, I definitely recorded it so I could go back. All right, I want to watch the offensive line in particular and see how they moved. But, uh, you know, kind of watching everything overall. I knew we were going to talk about Caleb Williams, so I had to watch him and, and Miller Moss first off. Uh, but the the offensive line, you know, I'll take Jalen McKenzie's word on it. He tweeted at the end of the game that the offensive line was very in sync as much as the band in sync. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that that tells you that that first five grouping, they were together the entire spring they worked out you know that's a group that's been together in the past a little bit too so Bobby Haskins when he comes in does that change things up a little bit where does he fit in that'll be a question that we'll figure out in the fall but that first five group which was Cortland Ford at left tackle Andrew Voorhees at left guard Brett Elon at center Justin Dietrich at right guard and Jonah Monheim at right tackle I thought they were, were did a terrific job especially early those first three or four three or four drives, I believe it was, that they had, or at least first two drives, they scored easily with, with Caleb Williams at quarterback. Um, and I thought that, you know, I actually had a check for a second. I was like, 
Wait, Andrew Voorhees isn't playing on the right side, right? Because I kept seeing him on the right side at the end of plays because he was pulling so much. (laughs) And I thought it was really interesting to see him getting out there some. You saw in the touchdown run that Austin Jones had later, I believe in the second half it was a six or seven yard. And on third down, they decided to run the ball. You know, they had run it a couple times in, inside the 10-yard line, didn't get too much. So they said, we're going to run it one more time. And you saw Mason Murphy with the second group pulling from his left tackle spot and going and making a big block to lead the way for, for Austin Jones. So you're seeing the guys moving around a ton. It's not just straight-ahead blocking. And, you know, offensive linemen like that opportunity to sometimes get out in space and, you know, pull and, you know, do some pin blocks and different things like that. And you saw one with the Gino Quinones because sometimes when you get out and pull – you get to catch somebody who's not looking for it. And Gino Quinones, you know, had a big block blowing up. Uh, one of the DBs, I believe it was, was coming up and was not looking for that that offensive lineman coming from the other side and helped, uh, you know, want to run up the middle down in the goal line area too. So, you know, from the little bit I caught and the fact that the quarterbacks weren't under duress all the time. Do you remember last spring game, Ryan? Yes. Do you well, remember Mo- Miller Moss's – yeah. Mohassan went down with an injury, which that was not necessarily on the offensive line. He did get out of the pocket on that one with some pressure, but just unfortunate, um, you know, non-contact. But do you remember how much duress Miller Moss was under? Because he took over basically all the reps after Miller Mo- after Mohassan went out, and it was just constant someone in his face the entire time. And I thought that Miller Moss and Caleb Williams had a ton of time uh, most of the day. Later in the, in the in the scrimmage, you saw the defense switch some things up, and I think that uh, Lincoln Riley was kind of happy with that. The fact that the offense was rolling early, the defense made some adjustments, and they started making some plays. And that's what he said that this spring has been about for, for USC is that the competition, you know, has been eb- – there's been ebbs and flows. The offense will, will lead and the defense will make some adjustments and come back and, you know – and that's what you want to see during the spring. And I thought the fact that the quarterbacks had plenty of time most of the day, I thought that was a really good sign for the offensive line. And seeing Travis die, seeing Austin Jones, you saw what you're going to get out of those two guys. They're going to run in between the tackles. They're going to attack downhill, but they can get out in space and do a little bit too. They can catch the ball in the backfield. And, you know, Darwin Barlow had five carries. I didn't really notice him that much, uh, except for the fact that he had the the toss actually on the reverse and USC, you know, breaking out trick play to have some fun during the spring game. And I believe it was Kyron Ware Hudson that had a, had a nice run on that reverse as well. That was cool. Yeah. And that, if that, I think that first drive, if you want to go back and watch it, six runs, six passes, they're running downhill. Caleb Williams, you know, delivering strikes. I I think you're going to see a lot of that. That's going to be like USC's offense. I, I would say watch that first drive of the spring game. Uh, one last thing before we let you go, Shotgun. Uh, we wanted to see what that defensive front kind of looked like. I, I Honestly, I just didn't get to check it out too much. You're kind of watching some individual players. Did anything sort of stand out the way they were structuring that and how that, that how how effective they were? Uh, the, the front seven for the defense. Yeah, I didn't really get a chance to check out the the defensive front. Uh, Tulu Tupelo, too, like we mentioned, had a couple of tackles in the backfield. It seemed like he was kind of unblocked on those, and I don't know if that was on him or that was the offensive scheme. They were kind of running away from him. How they exactly – that'll take some, some rewatch to really know. But what stood out is a comment that was made after the game, actually. So Leonard Williams was interviewed after the game by Molly McGrath, and she asked, you know, you know what you're back for the first time in a few years and he said the culture's great and you know the vibe is really good around the team he's really excited about it and she asked him well what do you think about the talent on the team uh, or on the field and he said 
I, I like number zero. I don't know. I don't know what his name is, but number zero <laughs> on defense. And I think that is that's probably one of the best signs of the day for USC um, because that's Corey Foreman. And Corey Foreman was making some plays. He was he dropped back in coverage about 12, 15 yards on a play. He was in the backfield at times. He hit Caleb Williams. They talked about that a bunch on the broadcast uh, on a play and about how he's not supposed to do that. But I think he was just excited to be out there because you know he had the slow start to to the spring with the injury, the the knee dislocation. I believe is what he said he had. Um, so getting him back out there and for him to make some plays is a big sign. I think you saw Romello Height had a, a sack on Caleb Williams. You saw Nick Figueroa have a couple of pressures, including a sack. So I think there's some positives there. I'll go back and look at it a little bit more in depth a little bit later. But I think the fact that Leonard Williams said, I don't know who he is and didn't know that it was, hey, five-star Corey Foreman, you know, a guy that was the number one player in the country, but he just goes, zero. That guy, that guy's playing. And if Leonard Williams is saying it, I'm going to believe it. Yeah, no, that was that was a great moment. You, you, you were hoping that Molly McGrath was going to say, hey, that's that's Corey Foreman, the former five-star, number one player in the country. Um, but the, the fact that he didn't know, he just knew he was playing. I think that is definitely <laughs> a good sign for USC fans. All right, well, it's probably a good place to uh, cut this one off. Um, Sean, oh, I got, I got a qu- couple quick notes that I oh, wanted to sorry. throw in there. Oh, yeah, um, go ahead, of course. We, we didn't talk too much about the defense there, but Shane Lee – you could definitely see the impact that he's going to have for USC. You would see, I just saw 53 around the ball a ton, all over the field, different ways. Corey Foreman was similar. He was all over the field, but Shane Lee making a ton of plays out there. I think you saw the range of Kalen Bullock, you know, playing. He was playing that deep safety spot and just seeing him be able to get out and get over to, to catch an interception that was called back because of the penalty, but a couple of times getting over to make plays over the top. You know, I think he shows the range of him. And then how about Alex Stadhouse, 55-yard field goal? I know there's not a rush or anything, but, you know, the thing with Alex Stadhouse is you felt pretty good about he's going to be consistent from 30 to, to 45. But after that, does he have the leg necessarily? You know, we haven't necessarily seen that in the past, but a 55-yarder, that's a positive sign for USC special teams as well. Yeah, that was a good one. People were tweeting me about that, like, Stadhouse, 55-yard field goal. Yeah, I mean, that's a one of the, you know, he's a, he came out of the transfer portal, right? He went into the portal and came back out. Um, but that's a, that's a big get, I think, cause you saw the punt game. They're really not a punter right now. Right. Because you had, yeah, you uh, had, you had back, uh, um, the backup walk on from last year, Will Rose from St. John Bosco was punting, um, uh, but they're waiting on Atticus, um, blanking on his Bertrand, I believe it is his, yeah. I believe that's his last name, the Australian punter who will be here in the fall. Um, you did see a couple of the fall signees were there today. I think Devin Tompkins was on campus to check it out. Relique Brown was there. Relique Brown was also tweeting at some of their USC's other, you know, big time targets like five-star Brandon Ennis. There was a, a good number of, of recruits in attendance as well as, you know, the local kids were all there. The, there were a number of modern day guys. So it was a big day for USC to get out and showcase themselves you know locally and the the guys that could make it out for the spring game but also because it's on tv you have someone like brandon Ennis still watching in florida a five-star wide receiver so i think that's really big for usc again yeah that was a big one uh so we'll have uh, all that kind of information about who was out there for recruiting wise and you can check it up on uscfootball.com we had a thread going on during the game Tons of interviews and analysis and everything going up afterwards. Uh, but we wanted to get a quick cart cast up because, you know, you why keep not? calling a car cast when no one's in a car, Ryan. We were not a car, but I just, this is sort of this <laughs> an homage to our friends over at Randall Troy because they're never in a car either. I, they used to be in a car. Uh, I'm a studio post spring game 
podcast, whatever you want to call it. But uh, <laughs> it was fun. But thanks, uh, Shadi. We'll have our regular Tunnel Vision show on Sunday night so we can break it down live in more detail. Sunday night, 7 p.m., YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll have it all up on uscfootball.com. And then you can get the replay right here on the Peristyle podcast feed as well. But thanks again for uh, coming on Short Notice Shotgun. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We will uh, hope you enjoy the show, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 